from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Thinking sideways. I don't understand. Stories of things we simply don't know the answer to. Hello, everybody, and welcome again to another episode of Thinking Sideways. Uh. This podcast where I talk in a weird monotone voice. Not really. Hey, everybody, this uh. is Steve, and as always, I am joined by... Devin. And Joe. And once again, we have another mystery to bring to you. What? Uh, yeah, really, it's not all cats on the internet. What? Well, we know there's, there's something else on the internet. <laughs> Come on. I'm only talking about the cats. Wow. Okay, well, this week we're, uh, we're going to talk about a man who is revered as the father of the theory of natural selection, which would be Charles Darwin. Okay. And I'd, uh, I know that you're asking yourself, well, what's the mystery about Darwin? Well, it's, it's a simple and a complex one. I <laughs> should... Sorry. Yeah. What, who was the detective on like Murder of the Orient Express? Poirot? Uh, on, on, was it, no. Yeah, Poirot. Was it Poirot? I thought it was. Maybe it was Poirot. Poirot. Well, maybe not. I don't know. I mean, or, uh, well, Agatha obviously, Christie. somebody will tell us. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Anyways, he always talked about the simple answer and the complex answer, right? True. So we're channeling him today. Okay. Yes. We, Are we, right? No, not really. Oh. Um, well, as I said, the, the, the mystery is Darwin's health. And unfortunately, there's no chupacabra angle here. Sorry, nope. guys. And nope. For most of Darwin's life, he was plagued with health problems, which medical science, both then and now, really can't figure out. And in fairness, with the kind of testing we could do now, maybe we could, but... That's absolutely true, exactly... but the technology at the time yeah. didn't allow that. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, but it's it's amazing until we tackled this this mystery. I was not aware that so many people had been researching and hypothesizing about Darwin's yeah. condition. Oh, yeah. Darwin! Darwin is a very popular topic for a myriad of reasons. So it doesn't surprise me, and I'm actually quite happy that there's so much research out mm -hmm. there. But let's let's get back to Darwin here. Uh, I've, I've got to briefly talk about Darwin. Obviously, we can't just dive into things. We've got to talk about him a little bit. Sure. Before we do that, though, I do want to thank uh, Alyssa, who suggested this story to us on Facebook quite a while back. And I also want to send out a huge thank you to all of our experts who helped with this story. It wouldn't be nearly what it is without those folks. I don't think it would be an episode without those folks. Oh, yeah, no, I probably would have given up on yeah. this like a week and a half ago. Yeah. <laughs> this would have been making a fool of ourselves, or fools of ourselves, I mean to say. Yeah, the only thing I'm going to probably get wrong at this point is pronunciation. Yeah. So. Uh, so let's talk about Darwin. Okay. Most people know Charles Darwin usually for one of two things. Uh, it's either On the Origin of Species, which is his book that he wrote about his theory of natural selection, 
Or it's the Galapagos Islands, which he visited when he was on the HMS Beagle. Or or both of those things. Well, it's it, typically people know one or two primarily. Right. But it can be both. You're mm-hmm. absolutely right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, there's so much more to him. And there's so much more than just the Galapagos and, and so many things that, that formed his theories. He's really, really interesting. I've been reading his Beagle Diaries. I've mm-hmm. been reading his correspondence. Um, I, I've done a bunch of research on Darwin, and he's incredibly, incredibly an interesting character. Mm-hmm. And for anybody who's interested, I recommend going and reading his stuff. You won't be sorry for it, and I'll probably make that that statement again, but it is just, I was really happy to get to do it. Yeah. The only downside was the the one thing I wanted to read turned out to be a 14 volume set that I couldn't mm. check out in the library. Weird. Look at that. I didn't have the time to sit there and read it all. What was what was a 14 volume set? Uh, it was 14 volumes of Darwin's writings. Mm. Oh, really? Everything yeah. letters and all that stuff. Letters and stuff like yeah. that and stuff about him. Yeah. It was looked amazingly interesting, but unfortunately I couldn't sit in the basement of the library for 3 days and read it. People mm. do that all the time. I don't know what your problem is. Yeah, Steve. dude. I got that whole work thing. Ah, uh, blow it thing. off. Whatever. This yeah. podcast is more important than that. You're right. You're mm. right. I do have one funny little personal observation from reading a bunch of Darwin's stuff. Is he was a bit of a complainer. I was reading his his diary from the Beagle, and then some of his letters. And it was funny, you know, he complained about a lot of things. And maybe that's just because he was stuck on a ship for five years straight and had nothing else to do. But it just it struck me as something that I would have never suspected. Well, he yeah. was very sick on a ship, too. Yeah, you got right? seasick constantly. So right. It's true. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. And we to are. be fair, I've been complaining about the weather all day. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right. Let's get into a little of the, the biography of Darwin here. Okay. Charles Robert Darwin was born on the 12th of February, 1809 in Shrewsbury, England. He's the fifth of six children of Dr. Robert Darwin and Susanna Darwin. Oh, his parents had the same last name? Yes, because they were married, Joe. Oh, oh, that explains it. Though he would eventually come up with his own theories on the world and religion, Darwin was raised Unitarian. Uh, When he was only eight years old, his mother died. Uh, She had been exhibiting signs of intestinal issues. Some people think that maybe it was stomach cancer, an ulcer, we don't know. Not surprisingly, the, the death of his mother is seen as a major event in his life. Yeah, uh, though, especially by him. Yeah, but but to what degree that influenced him is debated. I've seen a lot of debate about what that did to him later in life. Mm-hmm. His father, Dr. Robert Darwin, was a doctor. And medical doctor? A medical doctor. Okay. And he decided that his son should follow in his footsteps and become a doctor. And he, uh, he sent him to university. He sent him to the Uni- University of Edinburgh Medical School in 1825, though it became apparent pretty quick that uh, Darwin couldn't cut it as a doctor. Ha! <laughs> I didn't even realize the joke in there. Uh, the problem was is that he, well, he considered the lectures boring and the sight of blood made him sick. 
Yeah, that's uh, that's really weird. I've, I've, I mean, I'm not putting people down if blood blood makes you. Oh sick. no, no, not at all. Yeah. But I mean, looking at looking at blood actually doesn't bother me in the least. What bothers me, and that's why I'm not a doctor or a surgeon. Or everything is looking at things like intestines. The yeah, things that, that are under the skin. Yeah, that's that stuff grosses me out. Blood's fine. I can deal with blood all, all day None long. None of that grosses me out at all. So really, well, yeah. you're lucky then. Ye- yeah, well, lucky. Maybe. Well, needless to say about Darwin, obviously he sort of slacked off on his studies. Yeah. Luckily for us, he took an interest in what at the time was called the natural histories. And while he was at university, he was in a student group that did that studied in the field and he really, really quite enjoyed it. His father, on the other hand, wasn't too amused. Oh, well. He decided... Dr. Robert Darwin, that is, that if his uh, if his son couldn't be a doctor, then he should be a parson, which is a priest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they don't have priests in, in Unitarianism, do they? Mm-mm. No. I don't believe that's. No, don't. I believe that's why it's a parson. It's and and the thing about his father is, I've read conflicting accounts that either because he seemed to have a lot of control over Charles Darwin's life, at least as a young man was that he was either a very stern but caring parent or he was a bit of a tyrant. I don't know which, but he decided that since Darwin could not be a doctor, that he would send him to a different school and he sent him to Cambridge. While he was there, he didn't really enjoy the studies to be a priest either or a parson. So he continued to study natural histories, and it was while he was there that he published several papers on the natural histories and met quite a few people who saw the world in the ways that he was developing to see it. Hmm. Those papers that Darwin wrote kind of helped pave the way for him to be selected as the naturalist aboard the HMS Beagle, which we touched on briefly before. Uh, the Beagle was captained by a man named Robert Fitzroy, and Fitzroy was planning to take the Beagle out for a second voyage, the first voyage of the Beagle, which lasted from 1826 to 1830, had surveyed Patagonia and Tierra del Fuego, Fitzroy wasn't initially the captain mm. of the Beagle, but through a series of events, he became the captain, and he managed to secure funding for a second voyage to do more surveys of the world. And one of the things that he wanted is he, he knew he needed a, a geologist, and he kind of wanted a naturalist, but he also, it seems like, kind of wanted somebody else to talk to, because it turns out being the captain of the ship can be a bit lonely. Yeah, I bet. Which, you know, that worked out for him because Fitzroy reached out to a number of people that he knew trying to find someone. And the second person that was suggested to him was a young Charles Darwin. He did select Darwin and Darwin got to go on what ended up being a five-year voyage. I want people to understand, however, that it wasn't as if he just got to take this trip for free. He had to pay for his own way, so he was constantly writing to his family, for his father primarily, for money. And he also needed to uh, to, to pay for his room and board and food. Mm-hmm. Couldn't he just, like, wash dishes or something like that? <laughs> I don't think that would have cut it. Uh. The other thing is that it wasn't as if he got some giant palatial stateroom on the ship. He was in the map room, or the chart room, excuse me. 
That would be a room that was nine feet by 11 feet wide, about five mm-hmm. feet high, and it had both the mizzen mast running through it and a chart table in the middle, which was four foot by six foot. Sounds like uh. my accommodations when I worked on a ship. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That actually, uh, Sounds like a couple of apartments I've had. Yeah. Yeah, nine by 11, actually, by, by ship standards, especially old, old-timey old ships like that, it's actually pretty spacious except for the fact there was that giant table in the middle yeah of it. well yeah you know that I sort know. of ate up a bunch of room or also yeah. maybe the fact that other people probably needed access to said chart well, that's the problem oh it's, yeah. yeah absolutely. it's not exactly a private room yeah you're the, sleeping the... and they roll you off the table so <laughs> the, the one thing that i saw that was probably the giant luxury is there was a bathroom in there it had its own bathroom that's nice for him yes so that probably worked out for well for darwin knowing how well he traveled by sea Mm. you kind of needed a toilet nearby (laughs) (laughs) so the 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 beagle did go set off on its second voyage and that voyage which again i said had lasted for five years traveled southwest from england it traveled to south america then down around the southern tip of south america Eventually making its way to the Galapagos and Australia, South America, or South Africa. I'm just going to put another South America in mm-hmm. there, which there is because it went from South Africa to South America uh-huh. before then returning home to England. Mm. So kind quite of, a long voyage. That is. I mean, I'm kind of surprised that they were, they were at South Africa, why they didn't, didn't just sail up north of the Atlantic. Maybe they didn't want to do the horn. Maybe that seemed even more dangerous. No, they had them. to go around the horn. They did? The horn of Africa. Yeah, yeah. because they they went underneath, went up, and then across to South America again. So they literally did a full navigation of the globe before heading north again. Oh, okay. And there's there's a number of reasons. There was a bunch of stuff they were looking at and trying to figure out, but that's the route that they took. Okay. All right, whatever. <laughs> um, as as much as I'd like to go into details on that trip, I can't. We just don't have the time. Uh, that would be a show that would be hours and hours and hours long. Yeah, and would be well worth it. But that's not our focus today. And we don't consider it an unsolved mystery. <laughs> no, <laughs> uh, I do want I do want people to understand though. I, I I didn't really know this as a kid when I was growing up and learning about Darwin. Is it's not as if he went on this voyage and then. And immediately turned around and penned his theories of natural selection. Yeah, he saw one what finch, right? Well, but... and then he was like, "Oh, I get it now." <laughs> that's not how that happened. No, that's not yeah, how no. that happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was actually sitting under a tree and an apple fell. Nope, on his head. that's wrong the wrong scientist. guy too. I know. Wrong guy. Uh, no, no, he. It took Darwin. He didn't publish on the origin of species till twenty years after. It took him eight years to write the book, but he didn't publish it till 20 years later. So it's not as if it was an immediate turnaround, like we were saying. Yeah. Although there are probably a lot of political reasons that he wouldn't have released it, even after eight years. There, There is a lot of uh, political or religious reasons. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of good stuff out there about that that goes into you know, his conflict with religion and his wife was very religious and his struggles with that. There's a lot of great content about that. On the Origin of Species was not the only thing that Darwin wrote. He nope. he wrote gads of papers and books. I mean, the guy really was prolific. 
and he made a lot of very systematic observations of the world and, and put it all into writing. By the way, does he, was he uh, capable of sketching? Did he sketch animals that he saw? There are sketches, but I, you know, to be honest, I never looked to see if the sketches were attributed directly to Darwin. I imagine there are some, but a lot of the stuff that I find wasn't direct Darwin books, they would be more a little kind of a compilation. The stuff I saw was, mm. you know, it was all his writings. I was reading the Beagle journals, but it didn't have many illustrations, but it, there were some illustrations and he appears he did some of them, but I don't know how much of it he actually did himself. I think he did mm. a lot of them. Well, I'm sure he had to, but to what degree those are published in his work, I'm not sure. Cause he, he worked with some other people on some of this stuff and i honestly am not sure yeah he would have had to have drawn when he was you know on the galapagos it's not as though he had an illustrator with him correct so he would have had to draw the observations and to the degree that they were different subtleties which is what he observed they would have to be detailed enough to describe that i think and and it may have well be that you know later on he had somebody do a better job of it totally than he possible. could yeah. within his capabilities mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, the 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 sad part, as I'm sure you all know, is at this point uh, we have to talk about the fact that eventually Charles Darwin did die. What? He's human. Not, yeah, yeah, he is a human. Mortality. Uh, on April on April eight the nineteenth of eighteen eighty two, sadly Charles Darwin did pass away. He was seventy three years old. He died of heart failure at his home, Down House. He was with his family. His wife, Emma, was there. His uh, daughter, Henrietta, who was his fourth child, and his son, Francis, who was his seventh child, were there with him. It wasn't originally the plan, but Darwin did end up being buried at Westminster Abbey. So he is near, uh, oh, who is it? It's Isaac Newton. The, and... So a guy who, an apple fell on his head. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That guy. And John yeah. Herschel. So he's near some some very, very influential people. Uh-huh. That obviously is a rather brief overview of Darwin himself. As I said before, please go out and do more reading on him. You will not be sorry for it. Uh, but we do need to, to go to our topic at this point, which is his health. Darwin suffered a huge range of symptoms through his entire life. Uh, one of the things that everybody knows, and we've talked about a little bit, is his seasickness. Mm-hmm. But that wasn't the only thing that he suffered. I mean, while he was on the Beagle, he was extremely ill, and he was nearly capacitated every time he went to sea. But he, it wasn't as if he was at sea for the entire five years. The, the ship was actually at sea for a total of 18 months. The oh. rest of the time, they were he was on they were land. Just stopped. Interesting. You know, they were at places. They were, we're doing observations around and seeing stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they'd spend a month or so in in location. Sometimes it's a day or two, but a lot of time they'd spend weeks or months at places. So he didn't have to be on the boat the whole time. Luckily for him, yeah, that seasickness or motion sickness did follow him for the rest of his life. When he was an older man, he actually wouldn't ride in carriages because the motion of the carriage made him ill. So he refused to, to take a carriage. He'd walk or ride a horse. So he invented the uh, precursor to car sickness. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if he invented yeah. it, but he certainly suffered from it. Yeah. So let's go through the list of things that Darwin wrote about, reported, suffered from. If, if you're a hypochondriac, 
just like fast forward through this part because yeah, yeah, really. i read it and i was like oh i don't want to do this episode anymore because i think i'm gonna have all of the things that we talk about now <laughs> I have charles darwin syndrome i have the darwin I, syndrome i i kept self-analyzing yeah. as i was going yeah. through this list uh okay well let's start at the top we already talked about the vomiting and faintness of the sight of blood which isn't necessarily a physical illness mm. yeah i would say it's maybe not a symptom but here is the actual list of symptoms Vomiting, memory loss, malaise, which is generally feeling sick, tiredness, skin problems, as in eczema and blisters, vertigo, loss of consciousness, cramps, indigestion and gas. I love this. He described it as making airs. Technically what he's doing. He is. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. We've got dizziness, headaches, fainting, hysteria and fits of crying. Uh, He's got a a rapid heartbeat and heart palpitations. Tachycardia. Tachycardia, yep. Insomnia, vision problems, muscle spasms, memory loss, depression, feelings of impending death. I think I said memory loss twice. I must be losing memory. Could you imagine going to your doctor with this list? Yeah. yeah. I mean, no. Uh, I'm sure he did go to his doctor with this list. Yeah. I mean, as, as, as a whole, mm-hmm. I'm sure nah. he went with like little yeah. bits and pieces, but could you imagine taking that as one giant list? Wasn't, and wasn't in terms of memory loss, wasn't it, some of it more like lost time? Some, blackouts, like, you mean? Yeah, wasn't some, that some of it as well? Yeah, so that some, could but, account but he for did like have the... he did have times where he was uh, like short bouts of it wasn't quite dementia, maybe like amnesia, senility. but yeah, kind of kind of almost amnesic mm-hmm. bouts. Sure, but he also did lose time, right? That was on all, mm-hmm. also a thing. Okay, I just wanted to clarify because I had heard that in the list, so I wanted to make sure, or not in the list, but in the research, so I just wanted to add it to the list. Sorry. Yeah, no, it's I'm... important for my theories. Okay. 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 Yeah, because this is definitely just a bullet point. Yeah. Uh, We're now going to go finally into theories. Oh, boy. There are 40 theories. No, we're not doing 40 theories. No, we're not doing Everybody, all all of our listeners were just like, (laughs) 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 No, we're not doing that. We're going to go with about, what? I think there's about a half dozen or so. Uh, But no, there's, I've picked out some. There are, uh, there's been a lot of them. Some of the older ones have really been disproven, but some of them are all over the map. So we're just going to go with kind of a short list. One thing I am going to address early on with these theories is Darwin was not healthy for most of his life. Not only as an adult, but as a child, he wasn't extremely healthy. He had some things going on. Mm -hmm. And a lot of these theories will focus on Darwin from the day he stepped on the HMS Beagle forward. Mm. So that's something that I want to I want to bring up so everybody knows. I do there are a couple that we'll talk about specifically, but that's kind of a general concern that I've had with most of the theories that are out there. Theory number one, cyclic vomiting syndrome, also known as CVS. Cool. Yeah. Um, so the medical science doesn't really know what causes CVS. What they do know is that the symptoms, which a lot of these theories, we're going to talk a lot about symptoms. 
those symptoms include vomiting, nausea, headaches, migraines, and occasionally abdominal pain. I did some reading, uh, and this is so bad, but people who suffer from this can have up to a dozen episodes an hour. Ew. That's a lot of barfing. That sounds awful. Yeah, yeah not fun at no. all. Um, the the other thing that kind of corroborates this is that people who suffer from CVS also have issues with motion sickness, and these attacks can be brought on, the, the attacks of vomiting can mm. be brought on from both positive and negative stimulus, you know, emotional stimulus. So, yay, I'm so happy, or so the exact opposite. So happy I threw up, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> maybe that's where <laughs> that statement came from. Yeah. Gotta see, see Darwin at his wedding. <laughs> Darwin, okay, we're Darwin gonna, at his mother's no, funeral. Right now, no, no, more, <laughs> no more fake throwing up no. noises. All right. <laughs> it's that's not done. happening. Yeah. Um, so, we've talked about this, but Darwin was prone to ha- being sick and mm-hmm. ill and, and losing his stomach, and not just from seasickness, but there was also psychological and social stressors that would set him off. Sure. Uh, he was known, as he put it, to be knocked down by his attacks, and that could last anywhere from hours to days to weeks. That actually seems to be part of what may have delayed the, the being knocked down, him being so ill for such lengths of time is part mm. of what delayed a lot of his writing, because mm-hmm. it would take him years and years to write things, sure. and yet he would lose months and months of time mm-hmm. to being so ill. Right. Mm-hmm. To cope for what appears to have been some of that psychological stressor, one of the things Darwin did, which is this kind of genius and kind of creepy hermit old man, Mm -hmm. is he put mirrors in places in his house so he could see who was in the room before he walked into it, (laughs) so that if it was a guest that he didn't want to interact with, he was worried that it was going to set him off, Mm -hmm. he could just about face and and walk away. Nice. Clever. They'd never know. Oh, so-and-so's in the parlor. I'm just going to go back upstairs. Uh The major problem with this particular theory is that CVS primarily appears in children between the ages of three and seven. I don't know that that's... I mean, you literally just not five minutes ago said, well, the problem with most of these theories is it doesn't address the fact that Darwin was sick most of his life. You're right. That's true. But I, I... I didn't see anything that said that Darwin was suffering from, as a child, bouts of throwing up every hour on the hour for multiple sure. times as a child. I guess, and does, that's... do we know, is CVS the sort of thing that gets progressively worse? Like, could it have been that it, the onset, he was just like kind of throwing up every once in a while and they thought, oh, he just has a weak stomach? Uh, you know... You know? I it's uh, I can't find a lot about Darwin as a child yeah. other than kind of some general statements and that's probably because his father didn't, you know, sit down and yeah. ro- write down little Charles got ill yeah. multiple times today mm-hmm. because he was probably at work. Yeah. yeah. There's not a whole lot of that. And I do understand that there's kind of that funny division between this one actually talks about him as mm-hmm. what could be a child, yeah. except that it sounds so extreme. Sure. Yeah. That I can't see someone who had, and maybe he didn't have it that bad. Maybe it wasn't that he was, you know, prone to being ill multiple times an hour continually as some people that have this extremely bad do mm. i'm not i'm not positive on that but it just from from the way that it was described in the in the journals and stuff that i read about it it sounded to me like 
it was so debilitating that you couldn't do anything. And I didn't see a lot when, or read a lot when Darwin was on land and not say in the Beagle, mm-hmm. I didn't see a whole lot where suddenly Darwin was on land. It was always, yay, I'm so happy on land. Not yay. I'm so happy on land. I've been incapacitated for two days because I've been so ill, just like I was when I was on the ship. Yeah. So that's, yeah. that's why I question it because it's almost like a gap. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. In in the illness. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I don't know. This is this is me shrugging my shoulders. I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, let's throw that one out. <laughs> Plenty of other ones. Uh, well, yeah. There there are others, and I don't know. We'll throw that out. But we will go on to our next theory. The next theory says that Charles Darwin had Crohn's disease. Do either of you know much about Crohn's? Yeah, I yeah. knew somebody who had Crohn's. I have yeah, several I friends that have it. I know a few people too. Yeah. It's not a. It's it's a really. I feel feel for people who have Crohn's because it's not a good thing. Yes, no. uh, one woman that I know had to had to get an operation. They took part of her colon out. Yeah, that does and, happen. There's there's a host of treatments for it today that. For people who had it before, there weren't. Yeah, and, it, and unfortunately, I think that it's not guaranteed that it's not going to come back, even though they took out the, the unhealthy part of her, of her colon. That's that's uh, that's true. And, yeah. and let's let's talk about Crohn's, because that yeah. will kind of help explain some of why. Okay. Uh, for, if you don't know, Crohn's is an inflammatory bowel disease. It can affect the digestive system anywhere from the beginning, which would be the mouth, to the end, the anus. Mm-hmm. So the whole way through. Mm-hmm. We don't know what causes Crohn's exactly. There's thoughts that it it could be an autoimmune disease or maybe it's just an immune system overreaction. It could be a genetic defect or it could be caused by environmental factors like diet and uh, microbes that enter your system. I mean, I, I don't know. I've, there's Probably not, but it could be, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's possible. Mm. It's it's something that we haven't figured out yet. So. Yeah, most of the people I I guess I've known a couple people with Crohn's, and uh, you know they've tried you know varied diets or like moving other places and things like that, and that very rarely helps them. So the only thing that I the people that I've known the only thing that helped them was either uh, I think it's uh, every three months a steroid injection of some kind, or I have a friend who uh, he ingests hookworm. A certain dosage of it, huh. which is then makes his immune system so busy fighting hookworm mm-hmm. that it doesn't go crazy on his intestines. Weird. He's been doing it for years, mm. and he's never been healthier. Wow. Uh, short of always being on the drugs, right? Which is, it's better than being on drugs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's kind of a natural way to go about it. Uh, kind nice. of. It provides some a nice home for them hookworms. Hookworms need a home. So he, he's a hookworm preserve. I don't know if people are as familiar with us um with Crohn's disease so what like the symptoms are well the symptoms are kind of varied and they come on in there's a pretty big age age range hmm. they can, they can come on anywhere between 15 and 30 hmm. so this potentially could fall within the realm of Darwin cuz he was 21 when he first left with the beagle yeah and it i mean i think it can affect you even younger than that sometimes it, it can yeah uh, yeah it's it's entirely possible mm-hmm. there are you know sadly people who begin to show signs of it 
COVID at seven or eight years old. Yeah. But as you were asking, Devin, the, the symptoms, they come and go, which, you know, that's referred to as a flare up. Mm-hmm. And they range from cramping and bloating to gas or, or diarrhea or even bleeding of the intestines. Uh, there's sadly, in a, uh, there's a possibility of intestinal blockage or constipation. And that can cause scarring of the intestines, which can then A, cause further damage and B, cause vomiting and nausea. Uh, and this is this is the insult injury part of it for me, is we talked about that it affects everything from beginning to end, mm. the mouth, the beginning. You People who have Crohn's can develop sores and ulcers in their mouth. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, Darwin had. He did. Yeah. He did indeed. Other symptoms that people can suffer would include fatigue, anemia, and pale complexion. Mm-hmm. But let's let's go look at the corroborating symptoms that Darwin experienced. Yeah. He had abdominal pain. He had constant gas, vomiting, which specifically was stomach fluids. It wasn't food. Uh. Fatigue. And, of course, all that was coming and going over the course of his life. And then he also had skin rashes and boils. Mm. So that's that's kind of corroborating. Yeah, mm-hmm. there yeah. were there were some other symptoms that he had too. Yeah, there? well, you know, the thing is, is when I was doing the research, there's a, a couple of medical papers which I've used for part of this that talk about the fact that they believe that Darwin had Crohn's, but he had it specifically in the upper small intestines. Mm. And yeah, that, that was an int- I read that paper, and it's interesting how they can tell what part of your digestive system is, mm. has a problem. Yeah, Not it cool. is. It, well, it's, it's because of the, the difference in the symptoms. When it's in the upper intestines, it's primarily associated with some nausea and vomiting and pain in the upper abdomen, which can become intense. And that, again, was described by Darwin. Uh, He described the origin of the air as somewhere lower down than the stomach, which would kind of align Mm -hmm. with that location. The symptoms increased after he ate a large meal, but weren't as bad after small meals. Oh, well, that gives me a strategy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Soft foods, like plain puddings, also didn't bother him. Uh, Evidently, his wife, Emma Darwin, her cookbooks were described uh, as being about one half puddings. What kind of puddings are we talking? Are we talking like puddings as we Americans think of puddings? Are we thinking of like bread puddings? Are we thinking thinking of like... Like bread puddings and stuff like that. I don't so think with like... N- without a lot of protein or fats and more like plain foods. I, I, I got to be honest. I didn't I didn't actually look up Emma Darwin's cookbook. I don't sure. know exactly what was in that. Okay. I just, I'm bringing this up because I have something I'm going to add in a second. So okay. I just, <laughs> I just want to kind of like okay. build my case a All right, bit. I got you. I wonder if you can find your cookbook on the internet. Oh, maybe. Um, Probably on Amazon. Here's here's a couple more things about when Crohn's affects the upper intestines. People don't normally have diarrhea as as much, say, as people who would have a, the effects in the lower portions of their intestinal system. Mm-hmm. And instead, they tend to be well. They tend they tend to suffer more from constipation, mm. and that's something that later in life Darwin had. He ordered enemas. For that very reason, of course, a lot of older people tend to get uh, constipation too. I don't know why. And that and that could just be a symptom of of age. You're absolutely right, Joe. Uh-huh. Uh, Darwin complained. He had a couple of other strange complaints that 
this research seemed to point to Mm -hmm. as being symptoms of Crohn's. He complained of pins and needles in his hands and fingers that kept him from working. Uh, He also complained of numbness and said his hands felt like they'd been dipped in hellfire. This research says that this may be due to damage of sensitive nerve fibers. Mm. According to this researcher, that is a very common thing with Crohn's disease, and it's attributed to a deficiency in vitamin B12. Okay. And that either whether that's through the lack of absorption or what have you, they're saying that that causes damage to the sensitive nerve fibers. That's why I'm going to take some B12. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, there, and there's a, a number of other things that they brought up, you know, saying that the twitching and spasming that Darwin suffered was due to hyperventilation, which would have been caused by his incessant vomiting, which would then would mean he'd have CO2 and hydrogen issues uh, in his is respiratory system. I honestly, I didn't dive a whole lot into that, but that's what that pointed out as another sign that it had to be Crohn's. But I, I can just... Can I, I just read you a list of symptoms real oh, quick? Yeah. You hey, ready? have at it. Okay. Extreme fatigue, pale skin, weakness, shortness of breath, chest pain, frequent infections, headaches, dizziness or lightheadedness, cold hands or feet, inflammation or soreness of your tongue, fast heartbeat, poor appetite... And uncomfortable tingling or crawling feeling in your extremities is a fairly what? comprehensive list of uh, iron deficiency, iron deficiency anemia. Oh, mm-hmm. wow! Which, being anemic, yeah, right. So he could be anemic because of Crohn's disease, or he could have been anemic his whole life. Right. If he had a poor appetite and he said, well, my tummy hurts after I eat a lot of food because I don't get enough iron. Well, then he's eating less stuff. It becomes a vicious cycle, gets worse and worse and worse as he goes on. I think, you know, that list is pretty comprehensive. And, you know, all of these things, it makes a lot of sense to me. It could be from a Crohn's disease kind of situation because his body's not absorbing it. Mm -hmm. It could be because he didn't get it. It's possible he, like, didn't get it as a child. He just somehow cut it. Yeah, Yeah. somehow cut it out of his diet, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Yeah, no, I mean, it's that's uh, that's not uncommon, though I... Correct me if I'm wrong, Devin. Is it not typical that the people who have iron deficiency more often than not, it's more women than men? Not that I'm saying that men don't have this no, issue. No, men get it. I mean, Do, but, but it's it's not as frequent. It's more frequent for women because we bleed more often. I mean, <laughs> gen, I mean genuinely because our body is, yeah. has to produce more blood, but... Uh, yeah, and I'm not saying it. that that doesn't mean that Darwin couldn't have suffered from it. I'm I would just... say iron deficiency is way more common than Crohn's disease. You're, yeah. I would, <laughs> I'm totally on board with that. Yeah. You know, so yeah. I don't know, but I don't know how, like, that seems like something that should have been recognized at the time, you know? I, well, doesn't I, it, doesn't do you, it seem like the sort of thing? How do you, how do you test for an iron deficiency? Well, I mean, they, they test your blood. I mean, either they look at your blood or they do an iron test, but... I don't, yeah, I just, I don't even know, I, I, I haven't researched this, so I don't even know how well understood blood was in those days, yeah, especially no, in the early true. part of the 19th century. Yeah. This is this is the joy of yeah. doing a show where it's a conversation and mm-hmm. suddenly one of us pops the question and we're like, crap, why didn't I look into that? Yeah. Yeah. Why didn't I look that up? That would have been really easy <laughs> so to look obvious. up before. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, don't these people know how to use Google? No, <laughs> but I think, you know, I... 
I don't know. It seems like a pretty straightforward and that, you know, it could have intensified when he was on the ship because he really wasn't eating well. Right. And then by the time he got yeah, on off the ship, the he was ship, eating like biscuits. Yeah. And stuff like yeah. that. Probably because yeah. he was seasick. Right. Which whatever. I mean, I think that you can even say that it was as simple as he got really seasick. And he had this other thing that was a pre-existing condition, which, you know, kind of caused the snowball effect almost of he wasn't a healthy man. He was deficient in something. He went on a ship and got seasick. So he was even eating more poorly and, and feeling sicker. And throwing up so much stuff that he really wasn't getting. Really wasn't getting anything anyways. Yeah, so you know, gets off. Nutrition. He's fine on land because he's just, you know, he's not seasick anymore. And he's eating a little better. And he's feeling better. And he's out in the sun. And, you know, and then he gets back on the ship. And it's awful. And then by the time he gets off the ship, he's become so deficient that it just keeps getting worse and worse. I yeah. don't know. No, I mean, that it could absolutely have caused and a if chronic he was, condition. if he was a chronic complainer, you know, and he was kind of one of those willful people who was like, well, I don't feel good. Like I said, I'm just going to eat pudding all the time, not like the steak that I should be eating. You know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Sorry, not to like totally steamroll your Crohn's disease. No, theory, no. Because it could have been Crohn's because of, you know, or it could have been uh, iron deficiency or anemia because of Crohn's. Yeah. But I don't yeah, know. no, no, absolutely. I mean, these th that's one of the things that I found in doing this research is you find a cause, but then it, it just, it kind of spiderwebs out mm -hmm, from that central mm -hmm. point. So that's very... That's very apt, and yeah. it could have been any of those. Yeah. Let's move on to our next theory. Okay, another theory. Well, the next uh, theory is that Darwin had mitochondrial issues. Hmm. And we're now going to get into some heavy science. Mitochondrial issues and disorders are caused by dysfunctions in the mitochondria. And you might be asking yourself right now, what is mitochondria? Uh, they are specialized components known as organelles uh, of the cells that are present in all living things except bacteria. What mitochondria basically do is they use the oxygen we breathe in to get energy from the electrons found in our food that we eat. So basically they're, they're gently pulling that energy away and that's what powers us they're they're kind of little fuel packets that we run on clever little guys yeah and the vast majority of the energy that we have is generated in that process yeah so they're they're really important yeah yeah if your mitochondria don't function properly or or if you were to say run out of oxygen, your uh, your body does have ways of compensating, and they're not the best ways to make energy. I'm gonna say it that way, because that way of making energy is fermentation, which is not a clean process. It's actually a really dirty way of making energy. It's got a lot of toxic byproducts with like carbon dioxides, acids, uh, hydrogen gas. Lactic acid is another thing, which, of course, when you get enough of that in your body, that's kind of the, the achy muscle syndrome. Mm -hmm. You know, when you've worked yeah. too much, you got buildup of lactic acid. Well, your body has ways to either mechanically or chemically get rid of it. But if you have too much, it can cause a lot of ill effects, yeah. which are highly, highly, um, they're highly negative for you. Interestingly, uh, you as a person. Uh, me? Yeah, each of us as a person. Not me specifically. Not you specifically okay. this time. Every human. Every human. Got it. Gets all of their mitochondria from their mother. 
Okay. And there's some other science that debates that, but we're not going to go into that. But why I bring that up is that Darwin's mother was ill, as we had talked about in the beginning, and she potentially could have had mitochondrial issues herself. Yeah. Makes well, sense. Did, if, Dar- did Darwin have any... They had kids, right? Well, Darwin had brothers and sisters. He, he, no he was one of six, and his brothers and sisters all suffered similar issues as him to varying degrees. Mm-hmm. He had ten children. Darwin did? Yeah. How'd they fare? Uh, of the seven that lived past childhood, they were all fine. Mm. But that's because if you think about the mitochondrial aspect of it, yeah. if his mother had an issue, she would have passed it on to her kids who, as I said, had issues. Yeah, but yeah. Darwin would not have passed would it on to Couldn't have because yeah. they got their mitochondria huh. from Emma. Wow. So it could potentially be that. And it's amazing to me. I didn't even think about this, but Darwin died at 73. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were just talking about his kids. Yeah. All of his kids lived to be in their se- those the ones that lived into adulthood. Mm-hmm. 70s, 80s, nearly the 90s. Like it was a really long-lived family. Wow. Mm-hmm. Which was just kind of crazy to me. I I'd, I'd never realized that before. Hmm. Well, that, that's a long time to live at that time. In those time. days, yeah. yeah. Well, for for Charles himself, I would say yes, because, again, he was born, what, 1809? Yeah. But his children were born in the 1840s forward. Yeah, I guess that's fair, yeah. So they were dying in, like, the 1910s to 1930s, where medicine's still, a little better than yeah. when their dad was a young man. Yeah, it's still not. I'm, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm just saying there's some factors that it advances that mm-hmm. would have helped them, but still, they they were long-lived people. Yeah. Another thing, though, that I want to bring up, because we're still a mitochondria, mm-hmm. as much as I know everybody's like, yay, <laughs> next theory, we're not done with mitochondria, because no. this one keeps going. Yes. There is a, a mitochondrial issue that is called Mellis syndrome, and that is mitochondrial, mitochondrial encephalopathy. Myopathy. Encephalomyopathy. Thank you, Joe. Yeah. I, I totally said that one like a hundred times and it worked. <laughs> he as did. soon as I did yeah. it here, yeah. couldn't do it. Mm-mm. It's a hard word. It's a, If we get flack for mispronouncing that There's word. There's like 40 letters in that <laughs> word. Uh, but basically, <laughs> but basically, that's a state where uh, a person doesn't use their, their this, this syndrome is a state where people don't use their mitochondria as their primary source mm. of gaining energy. So that's, again, that's a chronic issue where, or that's an issue where they chronically have buildup of all of those bad things that we talked about in their system, Mm. the lactic acid and and everything else. Uh, But it's a rare syndrome Mm -hmm. and it's extremely hard to diagnose because it shares symptoms with I don't know, like eight to 10 other syndromes that are out there. Mm-hmm. Like Crohn's and chronic barfing syndrome. No, like other things that are much like more scientific than that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it does have a host of symptoms that are very similar to Darwin. And again, we're going to go through this. The, the major ones that are going to be migraines, vomiting, seizures, cognitive problems, and neurological issues. The, prognosis isn't good for people who have this and though some people who have this syndrome can live to be 50 or 60 most people don't make it that long 
That's what it sounds like. Uh, if your body's got to work that hard and it's still getting bad, you know, bad energy mm-hmm. and lots of toxins, yeah. It, well, yeah, it and it, it's going to be something that's going to affect you from the very beginning. So this kind of plays into, well, this could explain why Darwin was sick as a kid. He mm-hmm. wasn't an, a well child. Yeah. But the thing that I don't, that, that makes me think it's not right is that the people that have this, they start experiencing stroke-like episodes. And the latest, the, the latest that comes on is about age 40. I, yeah, go ahead. Lost time, tachycardia, muscle spasms. I mean, is it required that it's a stroke or is it stroke-like symptoms? Because those sound stroke-like to me. It progressively causes brain damage. Yeah. If he lost time and had memory loss, he had brain damage. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, even I, if I, it, I mean, even if it is like a dementia sort of situation, that's brain damage. So I, he had neurological but, symptoms. But he wasn't, he wasn't a tottering, confused man at sure. the end. Yeah. Which at 73, if he had been experiencing these stroke-like attacks, mm-hmm. he would have had extreme brain damage by that time. Probably, yeah. Unless... Which means he would not have been nearly as sharp and well together, yeah. to, in my mind. Well, it's hard. I don't, these things are always so hard because it's like, how firm is that? You know, it's the like, well... Uh, you know, 99% of people with this type of cancer die within five years, but then there's the 1% that lives for 50 more years. You know, I I think with these sort of things, it's rare, right? And should we be saying, yeah, Darwin had this super rare thing. And also he was the super rare person who, no, we shouldn't. But I do think that some of his symptoms could be stroke-like. That's all I wanted to say. And and I will will back you up with that, with this bit of information, which is... One of Darwin's sons, he went to college, he had a promising career. I cannot at the moment think of what that career was. But instead, he went back and he was basically his father's research assistant Mm -hmm. and secretary and helped him with a lot of the writing. I don't want to smear Darwin's name, but it is entirely possible that his son compensated and covered some of that, you know, protect your father. That's a very natural reaction. Mm -hmm. I don't know that that's true, but Mm. it it could have been. And that maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe it was worse than we know. And that's why we didn't know it. Mm -hmm. It's possible. Yeah. Yeah, It's totally possible. possible. Yeah. Let's move on to another theory. This one you may have heard of. Yes. Mm. I think most people have heard of this and I'm not crazy about this theory, but I went ahead and in the, in the spirit of what we do, I included it. And that theory is lactose intolerance with the bazillion versions of milk that's out there. I'm guessing that most people know what lactose intolerance is, but if you don't, here's what it is. It's the intoler the lactose intolerance is the inability of humans mostly adults, though sometimes it is children, to be able to digest lactose, which is a sugar found in milk and other dairy byproducts. Or is it byproduct or is it a product? Product. It's a product. product. Okay. Yeah, Yeah, byproduct suddenly didn't sound right to me. Yeah, no. Uh, It's caused by lactose intolerance is caused by low levels of lactase, which is an enzyme that you have in your body that allows you to break down uh, lactose via digestive. 
you break it down into little bits and pieces so that you can observe it and use it. I mean, that's the simplest version to do it. For folks that have lactose intolerance, the symptoms are going to be, or they could be, mm. bloating and cramps of the in the abdomen, flatulence, diarrhea, nausea, rumbling stomach, or potentially vomiting and this would all follow consuming dairy products. Mm -hmm. Studies I've read for this theory go as such. Foods such as sugar, bacon, butter, and any desserts seem to set off symptoms in Darwin. And this is according to this researcher. I didn't see this corroborated anywhere else, just, just so I have just that on the one. board. Yeah. They also said that Darwin had a sweet tooth and that the majority of his wife's recipes involved heavy cream, those puddings that mm. we talked about before. Mm -hmm. To make things worse, typical remedies of the time for feeling ill were, to, of the 19th century of that time, were to have a warm milk as a nightcap. So that could have aggravated his symptoms if it was indeed lactose intolerance. Yeah, but you sure. know... Um, when, uh, he was at sea in the Beagle, did his symptoms should have gotten better, right? Cause he wouldn't have, I, I mean, maybe they had cheese on board. They, I don't know. Well, but they would have hard cheeses, which don't have lactose in them. Yeah. I had the very same thought. So actually yeah. that's a great question to segue. What about celiac disease though? Which is gluten intolerance, which has the same kind of symptoms plus anemia. I'm sorry. I... There's been so much on gluten. I just, I no, have to roll my real, eyes. I know it's a real, real thing. This is the real version but... of it, okay. right? <laughs> Celiac disease is the real version of it. It, you know, includes all of these symptoms, right? Pretty much all of his stuff. It also causes, you know, iron deficiency, which we talked about earlier, could have caused a lot of his symptoms. Arthritis, depression, and anxiety, seizures, mouth sores, head sores. I, those I, are, you know, again, yeah. this is that rabbit hole, right? Of like, we just, we could piggyback on every single one. But I think if we're going to do an intolerance, gluten intolerance makes way more sense than lactose intolerance in my mind. Yeah. And right? I, I immediately would have ruled that one out. Yeah. But, but you know, the, 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 the thing, I mean, you both have a great point about, well, what, have, why was it, what was his symptoms have been better on the beagle mm -hmm. and wouldn't he have probably not been getting that much milk when he was traveling and he's on land? He would have been getting more on land than he would have on the ship. He yeah. was not always in major cities. He'd be hanging out with indigenous peoples. So it's not as if they've got a lot to spare and they'd be like, Hey, Mr. Darwin, here's a jug of milk. Like, I don't think that that would be that common of a practice. No, but he definitely would have had it on the ship that's no. not the so they don't keep perishables on ships. no no they don't so that wouldn't have been anyway. the cause for a seasickness no and and my other problem with this is and again i know this is a rabbit hole but lactose intolerance doesn't cause memory loss it doesn't cause as far as i can tell muscle spasms outside of the the gut mm -hmm. So Which is why celiacs is my chosen intolerance. Because <laughs> it does cause those things. That works. I don't know. I, I know. I, it, it, I know it is. It's, it's completely possible. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, you know, I'm actually, I'm shocked that nobody's come up with that already if nobody has. Oh, you better write a scholarly paper on I it. I will. Yeah. I'm good there at There we go. Devin's yeah. next In paper. In for which they did a thing. I'm sorry. I don't know how to write science stuff. <laughs> Oh. Sorry. <laughs> it's inescapable oh. is how you start your paper. <laughs> it is inescapable. That reminds oh, you of somebody. Okay. Yes. Well, let's, uh, 
Okay, well let's 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 get away from the intolerance one theories that we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, we have at least one more. Uh, we've got more than one more to go. Oh, okay. Uh, we've got two more to go, so we're almost done there. This theory is that everything that Darwin suffered was psychosomatic. Hmm. Actually, it could have literally all been in his head. Psychosomatic conditions, which are now referred to in the DSM five. If you don't know what the DSM-5 is, it's the Diagnostic Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. But in the Volume DSM- 5. Volume right? 5. Yeah. Yes, thank you. Mm-hmm. In the DSM-5, they've, I guess it's changed from Volume 4 to Volume 5. They've now put it under kind of a general heading, which is uh, Somatic Symptom Disorders. It's when someone believes that they have a physical illness or an injury where there is no apparent physical cause for said symptom. And it's not a psychological issue or dis, uh, a disorder. So schizophrenia is something that is a psychological disorder, but psychosomatic things don't have anything specific that can be pointed to. Some people say that it's almost like hypochondria and they're crazy. And these people aren't crazy. They, they truly and wholly believe that something is wrong yeah. and it can manifest itself in real and sometimes debilitating symptoms, which can really, really do bad things to people. And it can cause degrees of pain, which are excruciating. There's, one of the the examples that I guess I, I got, mm-hmm. which is probably the best generalization of how this worked that I've ever read. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Is as follows: a person's concerned about their health and they think they have a heart problem. Okay. So they constantly focus on what they were, what they're experiencing, and what's going on with their body. And that constant worry initiates their basic fear reaction, which is an increase in heart rate. Mm -hmm. Suddenly, they realize their heart is beating faster. That validates that they're right, that there is something that is wrong with their heart. And that starts the cycle again. Suddenly, they get even more afraid and their heart rate goes up even higher and it works on and on and on. Mm-hmm. That, that is in its simplest form how these psychosomatic conditions operate. Folks that have this, they seem to be able to, well, it's, it's, it's in, inadvertently influence their body's functions. It's, you've heard mind over matter, but this is mind over body. And to a point that it can be detrimental. Well, I mean, I think everybody can do that to some extent. I mean, you can, you know, say, oh, I kind of don't feel good. Oh, I really don't feel good. Uh, And just like you kind of work yourself into that, you know, mix or like you're hanging out with somebody who's sick. And then you later think, oh, my throat's a little scratchy. Yeah, you take one cough and suddenly you're, you have it. Or, you know, somebody says, oh, is that an ant on you? No, it's fine. And suddenly your skin is crawling. You know, it's that. But the difference is, is Is that it's way more extreme. Yes, it's it's much more extreme and it's, it tends to be much more as a long-term issue. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, since, you know, pain is a signal from your body to your brain and since it's routed basically into your brain your brain processes it and recognizes it as pain 
it's entirely conceivable that your brain could actually manufacture pain. Mm-hmm. Create false you signals know? for itself. Yeah, absolutely. It yeah. totally could. I mean, it's like, yeah, it's in control. No, I, yeah, it really is. Yeah. It's, it's the computer that operates everything about you. So it could be misfiring signals uh, because it it's just some other part of it has decided that this is going on and yeah. it sends the signal. Yeah. I mean, it's, this is, um, it's a very murky area when you start getting into conditions like this and in the brain, the most common things though, that people experience or, or report, it's going to be heart palpitations, vomiting, lack or shortness of breath, diarrhea, pain in the back and joints and muscles, head pains, aches, and dizziness. And there are, there are theories out there that this is a coping mechanism for some other larger emotional stressor. I've seen stuff that said that this is what was wrong with Darwin, that he had a psychosomatic issue, and it was all tied back to the death of his mother. Again, I understand that that's going to be a very large and traumatic event. Mm-hmm. I don't know... We, I, I don't see any huge ties to it. I've also seen the same thing proffered, except saying that it's tied to his resentment or hatred of his father, who, again, mm-hmm. as I said before, was he's either described as very stern or a tyrant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it could be, you know, these these folks are pointing and saying, well, it's got to be because of his dad. I, you know, I, I think both of those are a little a little thin, though, because like back in the day, in, the, in his day. It was not at all uncommon to lose a parent at a very young age. True. And so that would have been a hell of a lot of sick people. Yeah. If they had yeah, that's, a, that's a normal thing. Or yeah. like, hey, how many brothers and sisters did he have? He had six. Uh, he was one of six. Right. And so for it to all affect them all, right, because they were all sick, right? Correct. So I don't know. To that different seems, degrees. That seems weird to me, too, that everybody would be suffering from this same kind of psychosomatic well okay and if if well we can we can also flip the tables on it and say if it is from a a major death situation like that darwin had 10 children three of whom died Mm -hmm. at a very young age Mm -hmm. and his first i think it was his first child died and his very the first and the 10th died at in infancy if i remember right and then one of the girls died i think she was eight or ten I'm not positive off the top of my head, but why didn't the other seven have these kind of issues with the loss of their sibling? Or, I mean, do you know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, why is no, it more prevalent? So yeah. I'm not saying, I'm not, I'm not definitely not trying to say that anything negative against the folks that experience these kind of symptoms. But it seems that it'd be rare that that many siblings would all experience this the exact same way and have it come out. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That, that is an anomaly to me. There are detractors for this particular theory. We might be detractors. We might be a little bit, but well, you know, what's really funny is that I I don't mean to get off track, but all of these, uh, these medical research papers that I read, Mm -hmm. they would espouse why they were right. And then it almost seems as if they knew the authors of the other papers because they would specifically go after things that were in the other papers saying, this is why that theory is wrong. And that, that's where I got some of the, the issues with mm. the Darwin having a psychosomatic condition sure. bit. And I'll just, I'll just summarize it here, which is people say, well, he couldn't have had that because if he, if it was that, then stress situations for his work 
should have been much worse and it should have almost prevented him from working. One of the things that's pointed out is that he never had a quote unquote attack problem when he was writing on the origin of species, mm. which I don't buy because it took him eight years to write the damn thing. Yeah. So I don't know how they validate that. Uh, there is some evidence that says that he did have stressful situations, but they say it wasn't, is when he wrote his work on uh, on corals, which took him, I believe it was three and a half years, he was only working on it, what was it, 23 months out of that time? And, mm. and investigating corals wasn't all that confrontational, whereas on the origin of species, I mean, that way that was going to cause a poop yeah. storm. Mm. Yeah. yeah. He was basically killing God and everything mm. that we knew about science yeah. up to that date yeah. Yeah. with I, that theory. Well, I don't think it really kills God, actually. But, well, I mean, there's... Some, unless, the, unless you're a creationist, of course. But Well, no, uh, there's actually a lot of good stuff about he and his wife and their debates on God and stuff like that and, and what his theory had on it. But that's, that's uh, you know, that stuff's out there and really good and, and we're not going to go into that. I guess, you know, my question would be, did he have really big episodes when his kids died like is there a correlation there because that's a pretty big stressful thing and is that documented i do know that darwin suffered greatly uh after the death of his daughter the she was like i said she was eight to ten i, yeah, think but what about was, I almost want to say her name was annie i wish i'd written this mm. down the other two too did he suffer I don't know how much he suffered. I haven't seen as much of that. Mm-hmm. Um, his his last son, the tenth child, mm-hmm. died very quickly, mm-hmm. uh, and I believe his first child didn't make it more than a year at the most. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong on that. Again, it seems I, like after your first kid dies, maybe maybe you're gonna suffer, suffer a hell of a lot more than yeah. after the tenth. Mm-hmm. Probably. Yeah. I mean, but, not to be insensitive. No. Yeah, but, but the, well, the thing about it is, though, is that um, it was not uncommon for kids to die young. It's like if you have a if you have a kid who's like say a couple of weeks old and they die, you know, I'm sure that's gonna hurt really bad. But oh yeah. But if you got a daughter who's like eight, ten years old, you've been hanging out with her for all these years, you know, and you think she's made it past the hump of, of dying and you know dying in young childhood, and all of a sudden she's taken from you anyway. That's gotta hurt pretty bad. Yeah. I've... I want to say she got scarlet fever, uh-huh. which had been sweeping through the area. Yeah. I mean, it's going to, I'm not, you know, trying to say that. No, we're not downplaying is, the effects no, of that. But I think it does make sense to me that, you know, he would, those would be documented cases. Yeah. But yeah. I, I just don't think this is a good theory anyway. <laughs> Dude, yeah. I got to say his. not uh, on board with a no. psychosomatic condition. No, I mean, either. I do have to say his, his, his offspring had a pretty good survival rate for those days. Yeah. They yeah. really did. Yeah. Yeah, seven seven of ten? That's 70%. That was, pretty, that's, that was pretty good. That's good for that era. Yeah. You're right. I mean, they were also a bit in a wealthy family. That mm-hmm. really helped That probably a helped a lot. Yes. Let's now go on to the last theory. Yeah. We're actually at the end of theories almost. Our final theory is that Darwin was suffering from Chagas disease. Ah, the assassin beetle. <laughs> mm. I, I really, again, I, this is another one I have issues with, but I'm, mm. I'm going to run it through. Is the theory says that Darwin contracted a parasite while he was on excur- excursions in South America. And the theory, it, 
it doesn't pin down a date. There's two potential dates that this might have happened. And I've actually, I actually, because I had the, the Beagle Diaries, yeah. I read the descriptions on these dates or mm. the, the notes and entries. One of them is going to be September of 1834 or, or late September, or the other one is in late March of 1835. Okay. The 1834 date works for me because Darwin describes a lot of symptoms of illness that mm. could corroborate with this. Mm-hmm. The 1835 date gets brought up because, lo and behold, the bug itself is mentioned in his writings. Hmm. Uh, they, uh, there was a swarm of locusts, and then later on, he, uh, he says a bug bit him, hmm. and he thinks it was this bug. Mm. What is this that bug? Is. Well, this bug is called, well, it, it can be called the, the kissing bug or the insa- assassin bug, but if Darwin, he, he, mis- he misnamed it. He got the name wrong in his diaries. Oh. It's the uh, Benchuka bug. These things are really, really not a good looking bug. Yeah, They've I got a them weird up. like proboscis on mm-hmm. them almost. I mean, it's 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 definitely it's a biting insect. They they're kind of like a flea or a tick in terms of they live off of the blood of other animals. Problem is, they also have a tendency to pack around a parasite. And that parasite uh, is going to be Trypanosoma cruzi, which is a nasty little parasite. It's not a good thing. And it affects people in two stages. The acute stage or the first stage lasts for several weeks and can be displayed possibly as fever, fatigue, body aches, muscle pain, headaches, rash, Loss of appetite, diarrhea, nausea, and vomiting. Anybody, uh, can I get any more symptoms I can throw in? That was a huge no, long list. Sounds like totally last fine. weekend. Yeah. <laughs> um, I do, I do, before we get too far into the second phase, want to talk about one thing that comes up that I don't, that, that really makes me think this isn't right. And that is one of the most notable signs of infection with this parasite, which is called Romana's sign. And that is a swelling of the eyelid, which appears on the side of the body that the infection entered from. Seems like he would have mentioned that. Yeah. (laughs) And if you look at pictures of people who are showing this sign, Mm -hmm. it's not as if their eyelid is just a little swollen. It's the eyelid Mm -hmm. swollen and drooping from the weight. It's very, very obvious. He would have mentioned that. Yeah. We'll we'll talk about the the chronic stage or the second phase of this, which doesn't always appear. Not everybody gets it. The symptoms of the chronic stage are heart damage and heart rhythm anomalies, and those tend to kill. There are also going to be digestive issues and massive weight loss. Mm. That's uh, that's over a long period of time, though, right? It's, it's over a long period of time. Yeah, my understanding is the chug is you get the initial inflammation, and then like 20 years later, then you die. That is correct. Yeah, and 
but yeah. That is correct. And again, as with all of these papers, I found detractors saying this couldn't be what he was suffering. One of them specifically says that Darwin began showing signs of the chronic phase four years after these, after 1835, so in 1839. Though I could never, they never say specifically what it is they're referencing that he was showing that told them that he was getting it so early. But I do agree that I don't think that this is what's going on, mm -hmm. because if he had this parasite, it knocks about, you know, if you live a long time, it'll knock 10 years off your life and it causes major, major heart problems. Mm. Yeah. And you suffer major heart problems for quite a while. I mean, swelling of the heart, that slows you down yeah. and really you're, you're bedridden. Yeah. You can't do anything. Yeah. yeah. Which does, to me, doesn't match up with what we know about Darwin. I mean, he was out climbing rocks and hiking and doing things like that. If he had a heart condition, I don't see him doing that. Yeah. I yeah. Agree. Well, you know, the, other, the, the thing is, too, is again, what I know about Chagas is that if he had it, he got it at such a young age, he would not have lived to be, to be 73 if he actually had it. Exactly. There's no he way. He would have been 23, 24. He would have died in his 40s, no, maybe, maybe his 50s. 50s. Yeah. No, yeah, he no. wouldn't have lived 40, 60 years with it or yeah. 40 or 50 years with yeah. it. Yeah. So that's that's my problem with it. Okay. I agree. Um, yeah. Believe it or not. Whew, thank God. So, we don't have any more theories on this. That's true. Yeah. I don't want to lift off any more symptoms because well, I, I am, think uh, I have them all now. I am ready to diagnose the patient. <laughs> oh, <Yes. laughs> yeah. Okay, Dr. Joe. Yeah, put I'm, on your stethoscope I, and let's have it. Yeah, I'm going to uh, go with Crohn's disease for 100 points. Um, and uh, I prescribe two aspirin. Good luck. <laughs> How about you, Doctor Doctor Devin? Uh, I yeah, I think Crohn's disease. I think the thing that I push the most for is that he definitely had anemia. In my mind, he definitely had anemia. What caused that? I don't know. Crohn's disease, maybe celiac disease, maybe some just he was just iron deficient or B twelve deficient. Bad, bad diet. Bad diet. Yeah, totally possible. It happens. What's, uh, are you going to prescribe anything? Uh, a steak. A steak? Okay. Yeah. Big juicy steak. Actually, cream of wheat is great if you're iron deficient. Yeah. Also really? True. It really has uh, huge levels of iron in it. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. I personally, I don't, I don't know that any of these are right. I think that it's kind of, as I've done this before with most stories, I think it's kind of a combination. Mm. I think that Darwin probably did have some mild intestinal issue. I don't know necessarily that it was Crohn's, mm -hmm. but when you think about the way Darwin approached science and everything he did, I mean, he was very methodical in his observations and his writings. He really, really focused and thought and spent a lot, a lot of time observing it and just going over it and over it and over it. I can see him doing the same thing with his health. Mm. I can see him saying, wait, well, I made errors in the morning and at lunch, but I didn't do it this afternoon. And then the next day, oh, I made errors all three times. Something's wrong. What's going on? Like having to check it out to the point that he may have made it worse 
inadvertently by just focusing so much uh, on it. I mean, let's be honest, we yeah. all have things that happen in our intestines that we don't track because that's just your intestines. Mm -hmm. It's uh, it's one of those things where, you know, I thought, I thought to myself, you know, I should actually start keeping closer track of what I eat so I can see which ones make me um, give errors, mm -hmm. quote unquote. Mm -hmm. I never get around to doing it. I've noticed a certain thing, certain things I've definitely drawn the connection, but if I kept a careful list of everything that I ate and drank, then I would have a pretty good idea of everything. I think I would, too, because there are certain things I can't eat or drink, but I also think that I don't do that because then you can't help but, oh, well, suddenly something's going on, so what else is it? And then you're like a friend of mine who basically just eats rice. Mm. He's on a rice diet mm. and taking supplement pills. That's oh, really? a really bad diet. And yeah. it's because of Crohn's. Mm. He's, he's on uh, a, it's an elimination diet. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. Cut it all out and start to add things in. Oh, but see. this poor guy still has such a small palate of what he can eat. So oh. I personally, I think that it's a combination. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, there's no rule that says you can only have one disease. Sometimes uh, you sadly, like that no. You I really bunch, wish you know? that that was the case for yeah. a lot of people. Yeah. I know, line on the left, one disease only. Uh, yeah, so I think you're right. It could have been, a, he could have had a half a dozen things. Yeah. Yeah, or it well, could have been gonna, crazy. We're going to close this one out. People are probably going to want to know where to find some of the stuff that we've talked about. And that's going to be on our website, which is thinkingsidewayspodcast.com. You can find this episode. You can find some of the links to some of the research, or some of the research. Some of the links to some of the research sounds really dumb now that I say but it. But yeah, it is. There are going to be some links on the website to our research material. All other episodes are going to be there. We also have links on the website for merchandise. And we've also got, uh, that's going to be right on the right-hand side in the sidebar. It's, there's a little picture, and it's right above the, the PayPal donate button. Which, by the way, to everybody who's, uh, who's donated through PayPal, thank you very much. Yeah, really. We haven't thank said anything you. for a while, and I apologize. It's awesome. We appreciate that greatly. There's going to be a couple other places that you're going to find us. Most people are probably not listening on our website. They're mm -hmm. going to be listening through iTunes. If you are using iTunes, please take the time to leave uh, a rating and subscribe because those ratings are what help other people find us, move mm -hmm. us up through the charts. Yeah, write a review too if you don't mind. Yeah, yeah that'd be awesome. As long as it's glowing. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, we probably made a bunch of people ill today, so probably don't want them to review it after that. this. Yeah, yeah. There are going to be a number of streaming sites and apps that you can listen to us as well through if you don't use iTunes. There's a whole bunch of them. Just look us up in your app. You'll probably find us because they, they all pull our feed. We are on Facebook. So we've got the Facebook page and the Facebook group. Mm -hmm. Those are continually busy and a lot of fun. Definitely track them down and join. You'll, you'll enjoy it a lot. We are on Twitter and that is thinking sideways without the G. We do tweet occasionally and we're really good about uh, tweeting back, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> As Devin is doing Twitter. <laughs> we also have our email address. So if you have thoughts, comments, concerns, story suggestions, or you have another theory or you think you got we got something wrong and you want us to uh, to we, know about it. We mispronounced a bunch of words. Or, <laughs> or Steve mispronounced a bunch of words, All which of the words. Steve's gonna yeah. know he does. Mm -hmm. And Steve is now talking about Steve in the third person, which is extremely <laughs> weird. Super weird. You can can send us an email at thinkingsidewayspodcast at gmail.com. 
I believe that is all of the good information that we have to share with these good folks. So, uh, guys, I think merch? It's, it's we mentioned merch. So, mention merch. I think okay. it is time for us to close this one out. I agree. Ah, too, I'm feeling sick. All right. <laughs> really. Bye, guys. Ah, ta-ta. Bye, guys.